Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Wednesday, April the 5th. And our top story today is that work on a major new housing development near Folkestone is due to start later this year after controversial plans were given the go-ahead. Eight and a half thousand homes will be built in the first phase of the Otterpool Park Garden Town on land around the former racecourse. Members of the planning committee at Folkestone and Hythe Council voted seven to five in favour last night. However, opposition parties are concerned about the huge scale of the project and whether it's viable. Well, our local democracy reporter Daniel Essam was at that meeting last night and he's been speaking to council leader David Monk. I'm really, really, really chuffed. Um, Six years it's been in the going. The concept, who can really argue with it? We've got to build houses. The problem with building houses in the main in this country is we put the houses in without the infrastructure. This one, we put the infrastructure in, in front. And uh, as our MP said, the heavy stuff is already there. The motorway junction is there. The railway station is there. So what's not to like? Mm, I see. I mean, I remember um, Councillor uh, Jim Martin, who's been quite against the Osborne Park development, he raised concerns about the deliverability of the scheme. You know, it's going to take quite a long time. Financial circumstances might change. Are you confident that in, what, about 20 years that uh, the scheme, I, uh, as planned, will be built? It's been mentioned to me several times about the viability, and as I've, I've often said, if um, anybody thinks it's uh, not viable, I'll buy the the scheme off the council and take it forward myself. I will find the backers within the fortnight. The idea of developing the site was actually first suggested way back in 2012 and when Otterpool Park is finally finished, it'll have around 10,000 homes. Local MP Damien Collins has described it as nationally significant. You can head to Kent Online today to see pictures of what it could look like when it's finally finished. We've also got a map there as well so you can see exactly where it's located. Meantime, the country's biggest wine producer has been given permission to build a £32 million winery near Canterbury. Chapel Down are currently based in Tenterden but will set up a new facility on land off the A2 at Bridge. It'll take two years to build and create more than 400 jobs. Gary Walters runs Highland Court Farm where the development will take place. We're delighted that the councillors decided that we were exceptional case uh, and bringing the wine industry to Canterbury to make it the centre of UK wine. I carry a vision that that we can bring other businesses linked to the wine industry to this one place, providing a centre of knowledge and bringing the wine industry into a hub. The wine industry is growing as other farming disappears. Uh, We've got the right climate for it now, and we're in an area that has got the chalk scene that's so vital to make really good wine. And Chapel Down have seen that potential and want to be based where the grapes are being grown and we have plans to plant vines of our own. The reality is people tend to use cars now and here we've got an underused junction directly off the A2 uh, to the farm and that's I think that's really good potential for the future. Chapel Down is expected to keep its base in Tenterden, where it has visitor facilities. Kent Online News. Other top stories for you today, and a little boy who was seriously injured after being hit by a car in Sittingbourne has been allowed home from hospital. You might remember we told you in the podcast last week how the four-year-old was knocked down as he crossed a bell road with his mum and dad. He suffered severe cuts and bruising, as well as a split spleen and fractures. Two men who tried 
try to smuggle Albanian asylum seekers into Kent by hiding them in the boot of a car have been jailed for a total of 11 years. One of the men was stopped at the Channel Tunnel entrance in France in September 2019 with refugees discovered crammed into the vehicle. His associate was also found to be involved in supplying Class A drugs. Elsewhere, the government's being accused of deliberately suggesting accommodation for asylum seekers that's inhumane and oppressive. A Dover charity has spoken out as the Home Secretary reportedly considers using a barge off the coast of Devon to house up to 500 refugees. It's part of efforts to cut down on the use of hotels for people who cross the Channel to Kent in small boats. Well, Kay Marsh from Samfire has been speaking to Lucy. We've heard very similar plans before from Pretty Patel several years ago um, to use disused ferries down that way as well. And it wasn't a good idea then. I've been reading into it and the barge that's uh, supposed to be being used was actually used for a similar purpose by the Dutch government in 2005. And they stopped using it because it was deemed to be an oppressive environment. And it says it's been refurbished now, but I don't think you can just paint over oppression, can you? So I'd like to know why they feel it will be okay to use now if it wasn't then. Yeah, and of course, these refugees who are taking this journey across the channel, um, they've often been through quite traumatic events just to get here. How would it be for them to then be put onto a, a barge? It's awful. It's cut off. You know, it's it feels unsafe. It feels cramped already. Um, it's just hideous. It's very similar to the use of disused military barracks. Um, and a prison now is even on the list, a disused prison. I mean, all of these places, it almost feels as if it's intentional, you know, as if, as if these places have been chosen because they're so um, oppressive and, and just not very nice. I feel like there are far more humane ways that we could solve the issue. Um, yeah, they're just not being looked at. I mean... The use of hotels is ridiculous. It's contingency accommodation, after all. It shouldn't be being used on the scale that it is now. And it's no wonder people are getting annoyed about it. It's, you know, we're in a cost of living crisis and we're being told that these hotels are being used at a cost of about six million per day. Um, Just to put it into perspective, if we were to give people the right to work when they've been here for six months while their claim is being processed, we wouldn't have to put them in hotels and we wouldn't have to find accommodation and the asylum support bill would go down. So the reason we're having to house people in the first place is because we don't give them the right to to look after themselves and to, to make money and to to take care of them, their, themselves and their families. So we, we have a duty of care to offer humane support to people and, you know, barges moored off the coast or disused military barracks just, just isn't that. It's not practical. It's not humane. It's not fair. Um, people, all people deserve to be treated like human beings, don't they? Um, it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. And the fact that our government are now deciding who we do and don't get to treat like human beings, it's wrong. It's so wrong. We need safe legal routes to asylum. That's the only way we solve the problem. And no, that isn't a direct solution to the housing situation. It is a solution to the immigration situation. You know, um, we can keep putting these patches over and, you know, coming up with these ideas, but it doesn't solve the core issue. Uh, we need legal safe routes to asylum in the UK. At the moment, we've got everybody jumping onto boats because that's what they have to do. They have to make it across the channel. Uh, if we gave people a safe legal route to start their claim before needing to get to Britain at an embassy or online, for just as an example, we would see a lot less small boat crossings. And the ones that we would see would be so so few that we'd be able to manage manage them easily. We're told local MPs in Devon have threatened legal action. The Home Office says alternative accommodation is needed.
Kent Online reports. This is one of our most read stories on the site today and a shopper fears cameras at a Tesco car park in Dover aren't working properly after being accused of leaving her car there all day. Emily Smith had visited the store in Whitfield twice in one day but got a fine saying she'd breached the three-hour parking limit. Tesco have told us they've now cancelled the fine and have apologised. Well, these parking restrictions can get a little bit confusing. We've got an explainer for you on the website today. Just head to Kent Online. A family have been stuck in their home in Hythe after a blocked drain caused flooding outside. Residents in Dimchurch Road say the problem has been getting worse over the past five years and you can in fact see pictures on the website today. The county council say they're aware of a problem and temporary traffic lights will be installed ahead of drains being cleared later this month. It's been claimed 30,000 bees have died in West Kent after being poisoned. A keeper in Hawkehurst believes they died because of insecticide or herbicide being used nearby. The colony is said to have been worth around £250 and would have produced about £400 worth of honey. Now, as the song says, oh, I do like to be beside the seaside and now house prices in Margate have gone up a whopping 109% in the past decade, according to new research. Figures from the Halifax show the cost of a property in the seaside town was just over £146,000 back in 2012. That had risen to £300 5,000 last year. It's the second highest increase for coastal locations in the country. Tom Rossbasson is Regional Managing Director at Ward's Estate Agents and he's been chatting to Kate. Margate has had a huge amount of investment from the local council um, at the regeneration projects um, and it's becoming a much more desirable location for families, businesses Um, And with the sun shining today, um, that will be one of the reasons why people will pay more. Is it a case as well as as house prices closer to London get more and more expensive, more and more people are finding themselves drawn out to these further places, these coastal regions where things might be a little bit more affordable? You're absolutely correct. Um, The pandemic has has played a huge part in that, where um, prior to uh, COVID-19, people were sucked into inner cities and the accessibility to the office. Um, But obviously that terrible time we all experienced drew people out to space and wanted the availability of having some more outdoor space and more ability to spend time with the family. And of course, the culture of working from an office without doubt is changing. And we're seeing a lot more people setting up home offices. Well, you can't do that in a two-bed apartment in central London. But of course, in Margate, you've got Victorian properties on the promenade with more space, more availability, and people have got options. What does it mean for first home buyers who may have grown up in the Margate or area or any of the coastal towns who are looking to get on the property ladder for the first time? What does it mean for them? They're annoyed. They're annoyed. They want their homes. They want them cheaper. Um, Of course, It's great for the economy. It's great for the local businesses. But like all areas where there's an increase in activity and increase in house prices, um, affordability is stretched and the bank of mum and dad or whoever can lay their hands on some cash becomes more stretched. Um, So the first time buyers, there's still affordability. There's still money being lent. Mortgage, Mortgage lending is becoming more accessible. There's still good levels of interest rates out there. But yes, it it does compromise those first-time buyers. With the way that the market's heading, is it a trend that's expected to continue? I think it will to the day that we leave this planet. Um, Nothing seems more inevitable than house prices will increase. There's definitely been a slowdown, but whichever way you shape it, 
Um, the market has definitely changed from the last 12 to 18 months, that's for sure. So we're certainly seeing more realistic pricing from sellers. Um, but of course, there are certain pockets of locations that will be driven by where they are, the accessibility to London, train links, um, new generation projects. Um, but as we speak right now, I'm certainly seeing in the offices that I look after, um, prices are becoming more sensible, more realistic. Westgate, Birchington, Deal, Ramsgate and Whitstable also made the list. Kent Online reports. Don't panic if you're on the North Kent coast and start to hear explosions. It's because of munitions testing over in Essex. The Ministry of Defence has warned there'll be several loud noises from their site at Shoebury Nest today and tomorrow. There are concerns a Kent village could become a ghost town with every traditional pub in the area now up for sale. The City of London, the Ocean Inn and the Ship Inn in Dimchurch are all on the market, sparking speculation over the future of the site. Residents say they rely on the pubs to bring in business which keeps the town alive well our reporter has been chatting to Andrew and Marloes Clark who run the Hidden Treasure micro pub. Yeah it is a concern because it seems to be a bit of a trend at the moment with pubs going so yes. Yes definitely and also like the local community are going to lose another place that they they had it for many years and it's, it's, it's a massive change for the community too. And how have the winter months been for you this year? We've had to consolidate in the winter months by only opening Monday, uh, Friday, Saturday and Sunday um, due to the high cost of the utility bills. Um, so we've had to consolidate and we've been able to survive. And are you hopeful for the year ahead? We are hopeful for the year ahead. I think when you're in this industry, you've always got to be hopeful and, and keep surviving. Yeah. And what, what do you think makes your uh, pub different to some of the others in the area? I think we use lo only local products from Kent, so we lo use local businesses like local microbreweries. Um, so I think that makes us a little bit different from, from the so sort of generic pubs. We can get different produce all the time, mm -hmm. and I think that keeps people interested in coming in and seeing what's, what's on over the weekend because there's always something yeah, different. Yeah, we rotate our car scales for instance all the time. We have promotions on car uh, scales because we like to promote, promote the car scale uh, product. Faversham set to get its own version of Monopoly. Local businesses and landmarks will feature on a special edition of the board game. The Market Town follows in the footsteps of the likes of Canterbury, Margate and Tunbridge Wells. Folkestone has been named today as one of the best places in the UK for stargazing. A list has been put together as we mark Global Astronomy Month. Researchers have given Folkestone a star visibility score of 68.9 out of 100, putting it 14th in the country. And Tom Cruise has been back in Kent filming scenes for Mission Impossible 8. The Top Gun star was spotted arriving near the historic dockyard in Chatham yesterday. It's the third time he'd been in the area since last October. Kent Online Sports. Fingers crossed the good weather continues as Kent get the cricket season underway tomorrow. They're starting their county championship campaign against Northamptonshire at Canterbury. Matt Walker's side finished fifth in Division 1 last year. New batting coach Alex Gidman says he's buzzing to be at the club and has been speaking to our sports reporter Tom Reeves. You know, clearly there's a lot of things going right here. Uh, you know, two trophies in two years and competing in the first division for me is an outstanding effort and, um, and, and clearly doing a lot of things right. So it's just contributing and, and, and chipping in where I can. Yeah, what have you made of the squad since the seen them? Yeah, hugely talented, uh, high quality, mm. um, you know, very, very exciting group of players. Um, sort of really calm feel about it but also a very confident feel about it as well in terms of the individuals and what that means collectively mm. um, you know yeah just just hugely talented and, and hugely exciting so um, 
you know, from my perspective, it's a great challenge. Uh, and uh, like I say, hoping that I can just add value, you know, to some players, all players, whether it's one percent, twenty percent. You know, if I can, if I can just help them all in in, a, in their own individual ways, and that would be a you know, good, good job well done. I think as a, as a sort of skills coach, you know, various roles. I think some players might require a little bit of technical support. Some might require a little bit of sort of method and gameplay support. Mm. But equally. You know, some of them might just need a mate they can chat to about mm. about batting and, and the game in general. I've, I believe and I know I've experienced a huge amount on and off the pitch. So um, you know, I think I can offer that support depending on what the individuals need. So lot, lots of different aspects to the role, I think. Um, and you know, it's up to me to figure out you know which players need what. And um, obviously, Walks himself has got great batting knowledge and will know the players really well. So I'll take my time to get to know them. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, but really, really keen to work with them uh, and get my hands dirty and, and just just work with them and, and see where it takes us. Really, so I think you know those relationships will will mean different things and they'll all evolve um, at different speeds. So uh, yeah, really looking forward to seeing how they all sort of shape up. Mm. A lot of competition for places, particularly in the batting lineup, but hopefully that can sort of drive each other on a bit. I suppose. Yeah, I mean um, definitely, and, uh, and I guess. Uh, I say smiling. It's one of the beauties of not being the head coach. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, some of those some of those decisions, um, you know, won't be up to me. So uh, I've sort of been in those shoes, and, I'm, and I know how hard they can be. But equally, equally, what, what you've got and what we've got is a is a competitive group of players who are all desperate to play. And um, you know, yes, that might come with some challenging conversations at times. But equally. Um, it means that the guys out on the pitch will be desperate to perform and those that aren't quite in the first team at that stage will be desperately trying to get into the first team. So, you know, what you're hoping for is really healthy competition um, and you, you're hoping that guys will be trying their utmost to perform for Kent, whether that's first team, second team, you know, and, and it's great to be part of that sort of really healthy, competitive environment. Player Jack Leaning is hoping for a positive result in their first game. We've struggled, I think, notoriously at the start of the season mm. um, in the previous few years, um, but then always come good under pressure at the end. Mm. So it's not a case of knowing that we can't do it. Mm. Um, so hopefully this year, with us having a full contingent of players, obviously mm. Sam being available as well, and, and what's looking like a really strong bowling line now with the overseas yeah. that we've signed, um, hopefully that can that can kick starters into having a good start and. Hopefully we can take the form that we had against Hampshire and Somerset mm. at the back end of the year when actually we had a very depleted squad with a lot of injuries, mm. similar to where with England. Um, and obviously we, we prevailed and won two games out of two there. So mm. um, if we play with that sort of attitude and that sort of togetherness as a team, um, I see us to be a, a force to be reckoned with. Yeah. What do you think you sort of need to do as a side? to Obviously sort of fits and spurts, it went well with the bat last year, but maybe not consistently. Um I think we had a lot of big scores as individuals, mm. but not necessarily combine them yeah. as a team. Um, so there's a lot of times where we got sort of 300, 350 mm. without kind of getting that 400, 450 score mm. um, that really drives you in a game, yeah. um, certainly early season. Um, and then obviously from a bowling unit, we, we struggled to take 20 yeah. wickets early in the season. Uh, we did have a lot of injuries as well, so we couldn't have much continuity with the team, which, which never helps. So you kind of lose your role a little bit as a bowler um, mm. and you're always kind of fighting a bit of fitness too. Um, so yeah, hopefully, touch will we get lucky with injuries from the bowling perspective, and as a batting unit so far, training-wise, we've we've looked red hot. So mm. hopefully that'll come to the forefront against Northampton mm. in the first game. It's good to have a little bit of competition. Um, it means that 
you kind of you can't rest on the laurels and mm. have to keep performing, which is always good. Um, but I think the one thing that's that's good about us as a, as a group, whether it's batters or bowlers, is that it's that willingness to just want to do better than the blocks that next mm. year. Never, and it's never a, a wishing somebody else to fail, so you mm. you can get in. Uh, and I think that's really important in creating a team vibe because it, it pushes each other to be better every day, and it. Um, I think if you can do that as a team over the course of a season, it, it's, it's a good stepping stone. The T20 Blast doesn't start until next month, plus you've got the One Day Cup, which will get underway in August. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. And to sign up to that, you just need to head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.